pray together. God, we, we thank you. Uh, God, we are lost without you. Uh, God, help us to be desperate for you. Uh, God, we pray for, for all that's going on in our lives. We think of the West Falls, that you would comfort Art and the family now. Uh, we pray for, for Nick and uh, losing his cousin, that you would comfort him. And God, through both, that you would cause these things to bring people to you. God, people who are lost, who are desperate for you would come to know you. We pray it and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. There's a story in 2 Kings, and the story uh, goes like this. It's, uh, the, the Assyrian army has come and laid siege on the city of Samaria. And so the, they, they're kind of a cruel army. They've cut them off from, from any activity, especially they have also cut them off from any food. And so the city of Samaria at this point are literally starving, okay? And they've actually reverted to cannibalism, and there's all this going on. But the city is being destroyed. The city is falling apart. The city is lost. And the prophet Elisha comes along, and the prophet tells him, tomorrow you will be delivered. Tomorrow you'll be free. Tomorrow this army is going to be gone, and you will be free. There was one individual, he said, no way that can happen. God himself and Elisha also began to tell him that the, the food, which they had none at the time, would be cheap as dirt. You could find it wherever you wanted. And this guy, no way. God could open up the floodgates of heaven, and this still wouldn't happen. Well, next day rolls around, and there were four men with leprosy. And uh, if you would read through uh, Leviticus, you'd see that anyone with leprosy had to be outside of the city. And so they had a camp outside of the city. So there are these four lepers. And these four lepers outside of the city are saying to themselves, all right, we're starving here. The whole city's starving. If we go back to the city, there's nobody to help us. All right, there's no food there. We're going to die. If we stay where we are, there's no food here. We're going to die. So our only hope, our only chance to live is we need to go to our enemy, to this army, and we need to beg for mercy. And maybe they'll show us mercy. Maybe they'll give us food. Maybe they'll let us live. And if they kill us, you know what? We're dead already. So they determine in their minds, this is our only option. And so they head out, and they begin to go to the army where they're encamped. And as they approach it, they realize something. The entire army is gone. All the tents, all the food, all the treasure is there, but this entire army has disappeared. God had done a miraculous thing, and they had caused this army uh, with, with this loud noise. They thought other armies were coming to destroy them, so they took off in such a hurry that they left everything behind. And here it was, all the treasure, all the food, everything that these lepers could ever imagine or want was right there. And so they come upon the camp, they take some of the treasures, they take it over to a field, and they begin to, to dig a hole and bury it, and then they head back to the camp for more. And in verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 7, it says this, Upon returning, talking to each other, here's what they did. We're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it 
to ourselves. And so what they did is they went back to the city of Samaria. They told the gatekeepers, here's what's happened. Our city is free. Our city is saved. They've left. And so the gatekeepers announce it to the city. And on this day, because of a powerful act of God, and because four lepers were willing to proclaim the good news, the city of Samaria was saved. And it's an incredible story of the power of God, but also what happens when people proclaim the good news. The next two weeks, we are going to be talking about our vision. We're going to be talking about our mission here at Creekside. And last week, I spoke out of uh, Mark chapter 12. And in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is asked the question, Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? Or give us the greatest commandments. What are the greatest commandments? And Jesus sums it up like this. He tells them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor. And within these two commandments, he sums up the entire law. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. We are called to love God. First and foremost, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And out of that love, out of our love for him, and out of our love for what he has done for us, we are called to love people. And we are to be like these four leopards outside of the gate right? Who we have experienced the good news that God has given us more treasure, eternal blessing than we could ever imagine. And we want to be like them, right? We can't keep this to ourselves. We have to go and share the good news. When we talk about mission, when we talk about vision, this is what we want to talk about. We have been given something greater than silver or gold. He has given us eternal life, joy to be reconciled to him, new relationships because of the bond we have in him. This is the good news. Love God, love people. All is to flow out of this. I want to share some verses with you as we talk about sharing the good news, this great gift that God has given us in his son Jesus, and we called our mission, our vision is to be to share this good news. Just like the lepers who couldn't help, you know, we got to tell others about it. Because of what God has done, that should be exactly how it flows through us. Because of our love for him, our love for people, and to share this message. Three verses I want to share you. They're found in Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28, 19, and Acts 1, 8. Uh, the first one, Mark 16, 15, if we would fast forward to the end of the book of Mark, and I don't want to give it away, but Jesus does die, and then he raises from the dead, okay, an incredible story. We're going to talk about that on Easter, but right after that, Jesus spends some time, and eventually he ascends to heaven. Well, right before he ascends to heaven, these are the words that he leaves his followers, the people devoted to following him, the people devoted to carry out his mission. He tells in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All of these statements, the final words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. Now there's, there's power in final words, aren't there? Uh, my grandfather, my, my Grandpa Lou, most of you know him. He passed away a year ago in November. And I remember being with him in the final week. 
And we didn't know exactly when he was going to die. But at this time, my grandpa was, was near the end, and he could barely talk, he could, he could barely understand him, but I was sitting there, and it was the last words he said to me. I was leaving the room, and he looks at me, and he's trying to get the words out, and he's doing his little finger point thing that he does. He's told, keep preaching. Keep preaching. These were the words he was going to leave me with. And there's power in that, isn't there? When you are sitting there and you very well know, hey, you know what, this is probably the last time I'm talking to him. And he is probably sitting there saying, this is probably the last thing I'm going to tell him. Isn't there power in that with somebody leaving their final words? Keep preaching. Well, the, the New Testament church, these were the final words, and they believed it, and they lived it out. They knew it was their mission. These were the final words of Jesus. And what was he telling them? Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Go into all the world. Go to all nations. Go to the ends of the earth with this good news and proclaim it to everybody. So our mission statement, this is nothing original. All we've done is we've taken these words, this mission of Jesus, and we've summed it up like this. Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. And hopefully you know this. It's, it's over at that door as you walk in. It's on our website. We talk about it in our messages. But this, as we talk about our vision and our mission, this is what it is. Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what we want to be about. We want to be like those four lepers, proclaiming the good news to the ends of the earth, to all nations. Right? Proclaiming the news, proclaiming what God has done for us. Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. So we summed it up. We talked about loving God and loving people. And if we want to carry out the mission, we first must begin with this, with this thought, this concept of loving God with all our heart, with all our mind, soul, and strength. Because without that love for God, all the rest of it's pointless, Right? If we don't love God and we try to carry out these good works and these missions and this vision without a first a love for God, man, it, it's all going to be meaningless what we do. And we're not going to last very long if there's not a deep love for God and what he has given us in his son Jesus and this good news. So it must first begin with a love for God. But out of that love for God should flow a love for people. And that's what I want to spend some time talking about this week. As we talk about leading people everywhere, people everywhere, our neighbors, to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. Love God and love people. So we talk about loving people. How do we carry it out? We've got to first ask ourselves, if we want to talk about loving God and loving neighbor, we have to ask ourselves, who is our neighbor? Now I would tell you that you guys, as much as I don't like to claim, you are my neighbors, right? We as a household of God, we as followers of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ, there should be love between us. In fact, John 17, Jesus makes the statement, say, hey, if the world is going to know that God has sent me, the Father has sent the Son, it's going to be because my people are one. One. There is a love, a unity, and a bond between the people of God that we should love each other deeply. That should exist. Now, that's not what we're going to spend time on today, but that should exist, needs to exist amongst believers, amongst the people of God. But today we're going to talk about loving our neighbors in the sense of people 
who don't yet know Jesus, of people who don't yet know the good news. Luke chapter 10, you don't have to turn there, I'm going to share the story, but Jesus asked the question, if we want to know who are our neighbors, I think Jesus is a good source for that. Jesus asked this very question, Luke chapter 10, who is my neighbor? And if you know the story, it's a very familiar story in Luke chapter 10, it's the story of this Jewish man who's going down the road, and as he's going down the road, he's robbed. All his money is taken, he's left for dead, and he's just laying there dying on the side of the road. And there is a Levite that comes along and passes him by. There's a priest that comes along and passes him by. And then there is the Samaritan man who comes. And what does the Samaritan do? You know the story, right? The Samaritan helps him. The Samaritan picks him up, takes him, helps him back to life, brings him back to life, the guy laying there dead. And to this story, it would have been shocking because we, we talked about it before, but the Samaritans and the Jews, they hate each other. Uh, if you were going to go through Samaria, it would be a quick trip uh, to go up to the northern region, but most people, they didn't dare do it. They just walked around and added a couple, two or three days of their trip. They hated each other that much. So this was, this was crazy to them, that a Samaritan would be the hero of the story. But what's the point that Jesus is trying to make? He asks him the question, okay, so who's the neighbor? And the answer is obvious, right? The answer is the one that actually asks, act like a neighbor. And the point Jesus is trying to make is that regardless of religion, regardless of race, regardless of politics, regardless of sexual ethics, regardless of all these things, regardless of location, the neighbor is the one who acts like a neighbor, the one who meets the person's needs. So who our neighbor is is more than just the person who lives next door. We are called to love the world. We are called to love our neighbors. We are called to display this great love of God to the people around us. And that love, of course, from the overflow of our love for God. So how do we do this? How do we express this love? I think there's a couple different ways. Uh, one, we want to talk about that it, it, there is no cookie-cutter way of loving your neighbor. There is no, this is how you love your neighbor. People have different needs, don't they? Tim and I were down in Kansas City this past summer for a Royals game. We went to a game. We went to some Gates barbecue place that was not the Gates we were looking for, but that's okay. And we, right as we were walking in, some guy wanted a sandwich. So we bought him a sandwich, gave him a sandwich, seemingly met his need. We left there. He said, how was the sandwich? He says, eh, you know, not all that good. And he was right. It wasn't all that impressive. We were at the wrong place, though. That guy probably had a need, okay? His need could have been physical, that he needed something to eat. People have physical needs that need to be met. We may have neighbors that have physical needs that need to be met. Well, there could have been somebody else in this same restaurant that had, could have all the money you could ever imagine. And for me to go and buy him a sandwich and say, hey, here's a sandwich, buddy, would that be meeting a need? No. His need is not the same as the other guy's need. And so one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to have some sort of cookie-cutter look that here is what it looks like to serve my neighbor. Here is what it looks like to love my neighbor. Because people may have physical needs. People may have financial needs. People may have emotional needs. People may have relation, relational needs. People may have had nobody in their life they could talk to, rely on, depend on, open their hearts up to, uh, and that may be their need. 
and as followers of Christ who want to proclaim this message, who want to lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus, we want to be aware of, if loving our neighbor, we want to be aware of the need and meet the need. That is what it is to love your neighbor. How do we do it? You go back to the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus says at the end of the story, he tells him, now go and do likewise. I've told you, who is your neighbor? Right, it's the guy who actually acts like a neighbor. What does he do? He helps someone, he meets the need, he crosses those cultural boundaries to do it. Go and do likewise. To love our neighbor is to do exactly that. To go and do likewise. I want to share a couple verses. I think they kind of illustrate what it is to love people. The first one, this is from Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. It is not this kind of fasting I have chosen. To lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide for the poor, wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him? What's he saying? The true fast, someone who has a true fast, is someone who, like the Good Samaritan, loves their neighbor so much, sees the need of the neighbor, and meets the need. Helps them in whatever way is necessary. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Again, a need. We see a need, we meet a need. Love our neighbor. Loving our neighbor, again, is not cookie cutter. It's seeing what the need of that neighbor, whoever that person is, wherever they are at, seeing the need and meeting it. Because we love God. And out of that love for God comes a love for other people. Nick, two weeks ago, at the start of his message, he shared many things in 2014 that people in this church have done. Right? As we talk about loving our neighbor, it was such an incredible list and such incredible things to hear because that's the type of church we are. I believe it. We are the type of people that when we see a need, because we love God, because we want to serve him, we have an overflow of that love for him that we love people. And in 2015, we want to continue to do that, don't we? And it was such an encouragement to hear all that's going on at Creekside. And we want more of it. We want to implore you to do more because we love him. Because of this good news. Because of this incredible thing that he has done for us. So we want to ask ourselves, who has God placed in our life? Who has God placed in our life that we could show the love of God to? Think about your neighborhoods, think about your work, think about your family, but begin to ask yourselves this question, who, who has God put in my life that I can display that love to? That love for neighbor, that, that crosses every boundary. How can I display? Who can I display that love to and how? And maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's work, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's in Haiti, wherever it might be. There are people in our lives right now who are hurting. You know that? Some of them may be physically hurting. Some of them may be emotional, that relationships have been damaged and fallen apart. Some of them may have never had that friend to talk to. 
Some of them may have been abused. Whatever it is, there are people in our lives who are hurting that need to experience the love of God. And we are the people, we are his hands and feet, we are the ones that can display that great love of God. And we are called to do that. And if you're like me, I, it's easy to make excuses. For me, I, I make excuses all the time. And, and maybe you're like that, that maybe we haven't had enough training or maybe we don't know the Bible. So if somebody asks us a question, how are we going to respond? I, I don't know what to say. Maybe I, you know, hey, I live in the wrong neighborhood. This isn't the type of neighborhood I'm going to do a great job reaching. Or, or, or maybe, hey, you know, Kyle, my gift is not evangelism. Whatever it is, we make excuses if you're like me. Maybe you're not like me. Hopefully you're not. But we tend to make excuses for not loving our neighbor, for not reaching out and meeting the needs of the people we encounter in our lives. And it's easy to do. Well, while training is good, and while knowing the scripture and studying the word of God is good, and, and while working in certain neighborhoods and certain jobs, those are all good, it boils down to this. It boils down to the fact that if we want, if we want to love our neighbor more, the answer is not more training, not knowing the Bible better, not doing all these things. The answer is love. The answer is is love. We need more love. We need to experience the love of God more, and so there's an overflow of that love of God for loving people in our life. Love God, love people. And so we want to be a church here at Creekside. We want to carry out the, this, this mission that we're on, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. And I, I believe it happens by loving our neighbor, and it happens by seeing needs and meeting needs. But you know what? It doesn't end there, does it? Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus doesn't end by just doing good works. Our mission statement, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. This is what we are after. We want to see our neighbors. We want to see our coworkers. We want to see our people in our family, friends, people we encounter in life. We want to see them come to this devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, the reason we love God, we love people, we love our neighbor and we want to do these things, meet needs, is because we want them to encounter God. We want, it, him, we want them to encounter his forgiveness. We want them to encounter his love. We want them to encounter what it is to be a part of a family, right? Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. And so the reason we do this. The reason we love our neighbor, the reason we want to meet the needs is so they may encounter Jesus. They may hear this good news that they could be saved. As Christians, doing works is a wonderful demonstration of what God has done in our life. And whoever we encounter, whatever their need is, and some will have physical, some will have emotional, some will uh, will have relational, whatever their need is, I will tell you this, that every single human being has one great need in common, don't they? 
That is their need to be saved. That is their need for Jesus. That is their need for new life, to be redeemed in him. And so we can go and we can meet every single need a person has, but if they don't know Jesus, what does it matter? What is it for? There's a priority in this. If people who truly love our neighbor, if we are people who truly love our neighbor, then our priority at some point should be to share the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like those lepers who look at each other, have this great gift, and say, you know what? There is no way. We have to share this good news. This should be our reaction. And there's a priority in this. John 3, 16, it's a common verse. You know it, maybe the most popular verse uh, in all of the Bible. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, when God looks at the world, the people of the world are their needs. Yes. And he looks at the people of the world and he recognizes their greatest need is to be redeemed. Their greatest need is for them to be rescued. For them to be saved from the judgment of their sins. So what's he do? He loves the world by sending his son to die on the cross in my place, in your place. This is what he has done. And here is the reality. We can address every need in the world. We can address every need in the world and we could still miss out on the one that matters. If everyone in this world was fed, no one was no longer hungry, that, that world hunger was taken care of, you know what? At the end of people's lives the greatest need would still not be met. We can go and, and maybe someday, and this won't happen as long until Jesus comes back, but world peace. If we had world peace, that there was no longer war. There was no ISIS or Al-Qaeda or whoever else. It was gone. You know what? That'd be a great place to live. But the greatest need would still not be met. Matthew 16, 26 says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his very soul? We can give someone food, education, shelter, whatever it might be. They could gain everything. But if they don't have the hope of Jesus Christ, then what's it matter? Do we want to do good works? Do we want to love our neighbor? Do we want to reach out boundary lines and meet needs? Absolutely. But the purpose and the reason behind this is so they may encounter Jesus, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. I want to end with this, this idea of the gospel and good works together. We are called as people who love God, we are called to love our neighbor. We are called to see and recognize needs and meet those needs. It's a natural response of our love for God, to love people and to meet the needs of people. But these two work together, they coexist together. Four points in this. Number one is this, only the gospel saves. Good works cannot save someone. There are lots of people and there are lots of religions 
that do good things, aren't there? You look around and people do good works. They do good things. But good works will not save anyone. Our good works cannot save one's soul. At some point, they must hear the message, the good news of Jesus. You've heard the saying, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Well, that, that's great, all right? And it's true that we need to do good works. But at some point, at some point, they got to hear the news, right? They got to hear the good, the good news. It's got to be proclaimed. The, these four lepers, they knew they knew. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We have to share this message. Number two, the gospel motivates and inspires good works. Titus 2.14 tells us we have been redeemed. He's redeemed us to purify for himself people to do good works. If we understand the mercy of God and the mercy he has shown us, it causes us to show mercy and love to our neighbor to love God and love people. Number three, the priority of the gospel never precludes good works. Okay, in other words, go back to the story of the Good Samaritan. Would he be the Good Samaritan if he saw this guy laying and dying on the road and he comes up to him, hey, let me, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you how Jesus can save you. And then he goes on and does nothing. No, right? There's something that needs to happen. His message would not carry a whole lot of weight if he just told him how he could be saved and then went on his way and did nothing to meet the physical need. God wouldn't have too high opinion, would he? 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul says this. He says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We loved you so much that, yeah, we shared the gospel, but what? Our lives. We gave you our lives because this is what it looks like to love God and to love people. We love God so much that, yeah, we want to serve and follow him, but we want to love people, and it happens by investing in them, by loving them. This is the answer, isn't it? Love God, love people. Hey, we loved you so much. Yeah, we wanted to share this message of Jesus. but Man, we wanted to invest. We wanted to be with you. We wanted to spend time with you. We wanted to love on you. The last one is this, good works can point people and create opportunities to share the gospel. As we do good, as we serve, as we meet the needs of our neighbor, it is going to provide opportunities to share the message of Jesus, who he is and what he's done to proclaim this good news. Because people see it in action. They see it. They see it being displayed. They see what's going on in their response Right, well, why? There's something different. There's something going on. I want this. I want this. Why are we doing it? Well, we're doing it because what God has done for us. We're doing it because of this great mercy that God has shown us. We're doing it because of this great love that's been displayed to us and for us by him. I'm going to ask the band to come back up here. We want to leave you with this leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. This is our mission statement. This is our vision. This is what we want to be about, and we know it flows first through a great love for God. And if we want to reach people with the message of Jesus, then it flows out of that love for people, doesn't it? We want to love God, And we love God because of what he has done for us. 
This is where it begins. We know this good news, this great gift that he's given us in Jesus, that Jesus has gone to the cross, that Jesus has acted on our behalf. Jesus has taken our sin and our shame, and he's placed it upon himself on the cross. And we remember that. And we're going to take time to remember that now in the bread and the juice. His body broken, his blood that was shed. And so we remember this great love that God has bestowed upon us. And because of what he has done, man, we love him. We love him for what he has done for us. And out of this overflow of this love for him, we should love people. And as we love people, we look to meet their practical needs. We meet, look to meet where they are hurting or where they need help in their lives. But we want to make sure we meet this greatest need, their greatest need, to be saved, to be rescued, to be found in Jesus Christ. And we're like these four lepers that we can't help. We can't help. We can't keep this to ourselves. Look at this treasure we have found. We have to go and tell them the good news. Keep preaching, right? Keep preaching. Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. Love God and love people. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this incredible thing you have done for us in Jesus. God, that we have been rescued, that we have been found, that we've been forgiven of our sins. We've been redeemed. We are redeemed people. God, this is something we, we should not be able to keep to ourselves. We should not be able to not, we can't help but tell others. What, if, what an incredible gift you've given us. What an incredible thing you've done. What love you have shown us. This should not only cause us to love you, but love others and love others so much that we know they need to hear it too. That they could be found. That they could be forgiven. That they could have new life, new relationships in your son Jesus. God, what a thing. What a thing you've done for us. Help us to carry out this great mission that you put us on to lead people everywhere to this relationship with your son, Jesus. God, give us a heart for you and a heart for other people. We ask it and we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for this good news. God, we, we want to be like those four lepers who we look at each other and we realize there's no way we can keep this to ourselves. God, help us to go and keep preaching this message. God, help us to be on mission, on vision, leading people everywhere to this devoted relationship with you and your son. God, uh, empower us to do this. We pray and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.